It's good to be in his house. Come on. <laughs> hey, you know what? It is good to be here. Go ahead. Make fun of me. It is good to be here. You know, the Lord led me to the book of Exodus because, and I didn't know why at first, but I just started being diligent. I told you last week, and sometimes the Lord just tugs on you lightly, and then you start following him, and then he starts revealing some more things. But the thing about Exodus, and we're going to look into it again for the next weeks, we're going to look into it today, is that it's not just the story of them being rescued from Egypt and being brought out of Egypt, but it's the story of him bringing his people to the mountain of God. He said, let my people go so they can worship me. It's not just a freedom. See, I think the church has missed it. We cry out for freedom from the Lord, but we don't want to worship him. He rescued them so that they could worship him, so that they could be with him. He didn't just, he, I mean, he loved them and he wanted to rescue them anyway because his grace and his love and his mercy is whether we react or not. But what he was really looking for was once he rescued them for them to come and worship him. And when he led them into the promise, it wasn't just so that they could have the easy life, but he led them into the promise so that he could be their king. We know that because that's what the Bible says. They start crying out for a king sometime after that, and it breaks the Lord's heart because he said, I did all of this so that I could be your king. That's what the Lord's looking for. Amen? So today I want to just continue right along. And I've got so much in my head, and I've got all these different notes, and I don't know what I'm going to bring today, but I'm trying to hone it down to make sense today. There's so much in his word. There's so much in, within one verse of his word. And that's a good thing. Aren't we glad that there's this much preserved? I would be sad if I only had. I've heard of um, uh, some Chinese Christians, underground church. We, I've said it before. They'll, sometimes they get like a page slipped to them from one person to another. I mean, and they just, they, they take that thing so seriously. They love it. Aren't we so spoiled with, I got my Bible. I told you guys, it's funny. I call this my Bible. It is my Bible. I'm reading right from it here. It is my Bible, but I have everything at my disposal. I have unlimited commentaries and maps and, I mean, whatever I want. It's like right here. So uh, we need to savor his word, savor it. And Lord, we just thank you right now that you're going to speak. Thank you, God. Just open it up, Lord. Open up our hearts as you open your word. This is your word, this is your people, and I'm your servant. But thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know, the word exodus, the very word itself, it means going out. It comes from the Greek. It means going out. This whole story is about going out, leaving. Uh, uh, it's, it's no longer here, but he's taking you to there. I believe the Lord is looking for a mass exodus. Come on, everybody say mass exodus. God's trying to bring about another mass exodus. He's trying to get his church out of the world. Can anybody say amen to that? Anybody see the issue out there? That the world and the church has become too intermingled. 
Once again, God needs to get his church, and he will. Come on, he's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's faithful. He did it, and he did it again, right? We have the whole story of Babylon as well, another, another Exodus story. It's not called Exodus, but it's the same story. Took his people out again. He's going to do it again with us. And you know, all of these things, all of these Old Testament stories are pictures and they're metaphors. And I mean, they literally, I'm a literalist. I believe that it literally happened, but they're pictures for us today because in Revelation, I mean, all of Jesus's words were quoting and pointing to all of the revelations that were happening in real life with real people. But all of those things that were happening were all pointing to Jesus. And once again, the Bible is pointing again to a conclusion, to a finish, to an outcome that Jesus is coming again. Jesus promised that I will rescue you. And there was a time of slavery. There was a time where the people were in the world. And then God started doing something, which is what I love. I love when God starts doing something in us. Come on. God starts moving in you and starts shaking you and starts calling you once again. You've been asleep for a long time, and then he starts waking you up again. And I love what God is doing right now. I believe he's separating a people unto himself. God is separating us. See, the Bible is very clear. We love how Jesus sat with the prostitutes and with the the tax collector would be like the mob bosses of the day. We love that Jesus sat with them and was a friend to them. But he didn't let them influence him, did he? He wasn't afraid to be around them, and he loved them, but he stayed Jesus. I was praying here on Friday night, and it started coming to me the scripture. Jesus said, if you lose your saltiness, you're about as good as asphalt. That's what they did with salty, salt that lost its saltiness. They threw it out on the, on the pavement. It's not good for anything. We need to stay salty. We need to stay the light. That's who he's made us to be. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. We love that. We love looking to Jesus, and that's not a bad thing. We should be looking to him. If we're not looking to him, something's wrong. But he said, you're the light of the world. Why? Because as we look to him, the light of the world, it shines through us. And he said, you don't take your light and put it under a basket. We need to shine. We need to be unafraid. Unafraid of Jesus. Unafraid of the gospel. Who's a little bit afraid of man? Come on, let's admit it. I'm saying we need to be unafraid, but who's actually a little bit afraid? Sometimes, right. That's fair. Let's say sometimes. That's fair. I mean, I'm not afraid to stand here and preach. I mean, I, it's funny. You guys are going to laugh at me, but I, I joke with some of, the peop, some of my closest people that, um, that I don't really like talking in front of people, and they all laugh. But I mean, I push, I'm not afraid because I'll get up there and then that's it. This is what I got to do. But if you put me out there in the street corner, who right now, let's just take you right down to the city of Poughkeepsie in the street corner. Who's, let's go. Who's going to go with me? And you can just open your mouth. Who's going to start preaching first? <laughs> but I'm going to stay on the other side. You got to do it by yourself at first. Then we'll join you. You got to start it. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. It's a little bit harder. 
Listen, we don't want to start doing things in the flesh and start trying to work it up, trying to make something happen. God will lead it. God's going to prepare a situation. We read in the Bible that God had already prepared the hearts before they even got to them. God had already set up the situation. But we just need to be, we need to be tender to the Lord, tender to his spirit that's leading us, that we don't miss those opportunities. Who's missed some of those and has been really sorry to the Lord after? I have. I just did this week. Oh man, I didn't prepare. I didn't plan on saying any of this, but this is so funny. And I'd just been saying to the Lord, I was like, Lord, I want to be just bolder, bolder. I want to be bolder for your name. The Lord's like, just tell that person that I love him. How simple is that? He didn't say, go give them a word. He didn't say to prophesy over them. Just tell them that I love them. Well, you know, one person passes, another person passes because, you know, we're thinking, we're overthinking it. Like, well, it's not God, it's God. I mean, listen, is there any, if, if it's not God, am I going to be wrong right now by telling you that Jesus loves you? But I was at Dick's the other day and I recognized someone I know, but he hasn't, probably hasn't been in the church for a long time. And I saw him. I didn't think anything at first. I went to another aisle, not, not to avoid him. I just saw him and that was it. I'm in another aisle. He comes right next to me. Hey man, how are we doing? We start talking for a minute. I'll go to another aisle because I still don't think anything of it. But now something's just starting, you know, and the Lord's just starting. Now I'm in another aisle. Here he comes again, right next to me. Followed me around the store. I was like, well, see you for the last time. But now it's like, tell that person I love him. You already know this person. How hard is that? Now I'm at the register. Nobody in between us. Hey, man. Listen, can I just be really honest? I didn't say it. I prayed for him after. Not that that, like, you know, soothes it and makes it all better. But I said, Lord, why? It's so hard. Why? It's just the enemy just, listen, we have life within us. We have the answer within us. We should never, ever be afraid and unashamed. We have to say it. I mean, I don't know his fate. For all we know, as we walked out of the parking lot, he pulled up to a red light, a drunk driver smashes into him and kills him. It may have been his moment. We just need, I didn't plan on any of this. That's the spirit of God. And I'm being real, real open to you guys too. But we need to be bold. And the Lord's going to give us more opportunities, isn't he? He'll give you another opportunity. This is the thing about God that we love. We love about Jesus is his unlimited grace, his unlimited mercy. It doesn't mean that God was pleased with that moment, but he still loves you. And he'll give you another one, give you another one, give you another one. I guess it kind of goes with what I'm going to say. The Lord is separating us. He's really trying to get his church to be the church. And what I want to do is just get all of our preconceived ideas of what that looks like and means. Because if you think you could try to figure out what his church for right now, 2017, looks like, you're probably wrong. Because you're basing it on things that you know, things of the past. God's, Jesus is looking today and he says, I'm going to do a new thing. If it's a new thing, then it's not an old thing. So we have no idea. What we do know is some common things that we can say are staples. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
We know that he loves this world and wants to see them saved. We know that he's still a healer today. He's still a forgiver today. And eternity is still available today. Those are the things we know. We know those things and we can be bold about those things. How he moves in this time and what he does and what the structure of it looks like, who knows? Who knows? But we should be ready and and separated in heart. His church needs to be separated in heart so that maybe a time where it's a, it's a, a more clear separation in the world. He's separating us already. He's already working in us, just calling us, isn't he? Isn't he calling you more and more out of the world? Right, isn't he? Just taking more of the little stuff. God's jealous. I said that last week. God's jealous for you. He doesn't want partial love. Neither would your spouse doesn't want to share my love. Dawn's jealous, right, for my love towards her. She wants all of it. She doesn't want part of it. Neither does God. He doesn't want part of it. He wants all of it. And when we've got world in there, when we've got our own desires and our own plans in there, that mixture of things in there, you know, I didn't, again, I didn't plan on saying this, but that's what Babylon means, the mixture We're talking about Egypt. We're talking about that exodus, but it's the same thing. It was the mixture. So the word means. It was the world and mixed in with the church. But then God called them back out. It's time to go back and rebuild. It's time to be the church again. And that's what he's talking to us today. There's always, and this is not to, you know, to separate us from other churches. I'm not even going to go down that road or other denominations or things like that. He's calling the church. The the call is for every member of Jesus Christ worldwide. Denomination is irrelevant. He's looking for those that call Jesus their Lord to come out of the world. Plain and simple, period. Amen, that's that. Remember last week, the Pharaoh representing the devil and his kingdom, the world system. He doesn't want to let you go, but God says you're free, right? And today what I want to talk about, finally, is that as God starts calling you and he starts doing what he's doing, if you don't pack your stuff and leave, you're going to suffer the same judgment. So the world, Jesus said the world will be judged. We don't talk a lot about judges and we don't, and we don't need to... Honestly, the church still today does not need to major on judgment. We shouldn't be afraid to say it, but it's still not our major. Our major is Jesus's love, right? I don't talk a lot about spanking my kids, but it's still a part of my relationship with them. It's a small part, hopefully. (laughs) But the love is the major part. But we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Judgment is a part of the reality of God's kingdom. The devil is the devil because of judgment. Whoa. Because God didn't see him fit anymore based on his heart. We don't know exactly what it looks like. We call it pride. Some sort of thing happened where pride came and Satan and bam, he separated himself from him forever. Judged him. God's going to judge this world the same way. He's going to judge the church. He judges us. Now, what we want to do is listen to his love over and over and over. Come on, who can say over and over again so that we don't get to that place? 
Because I'm the type, listen, some people spank fast. I'm the type that I'm so gracious. I'm too, Dawn gets on me because I'm too gracious. I let them get away with it. Let them get away. Not because I don't see it. I'm just hoping that my love is enough. But then finally, listen, bam. <laughs> and they're shocked. what I do? <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you mean what you do? What didn't you do? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Levi's room was a complete and total disaster. He wasn't around the other day. I peeked in there and I looked at Dawn and she goes, I told him. She said, now in this case, it was the roles were a little bit reversed, but she said, I told him, if dad sees that you're gonna be in trouble, I'm just telling you to clean it up. <laughs> but if he sees it, it'll be more than just clean it up. So I gave him a day, even beyond that. Then last night, I said, Levi, come here. <laughs> Starts walking down the hall like this. <laughs> I open the door. He starts crying. <laughs> I didn't even have to spank him. I didn't touch him. I said, uh, you think this is okay? <laughs> hey, at least his heart is soft. I said, don't come out until it's done. This is your night. But it had to be done. Otherwise, he's going to be an adult who's slobby, can't keep up with his, can't take care of his own family. Now, it's funny to deal with an eight-year-old, but if you don't start now, right? Eventually, I mean, even if it takes a long time, you know, my room is still messy at 18 probably, right? But unless you finally get over that, so God gives you grace, but at some point, you have to deal with it. And this is the reality, that God is going to judge this world. He's going to judge the church and the world. He says both. He'll judge the church first, just so you know. And I think, he, I think this is my personal opinion, I'm not going to say it like facts, because I don't know, but I think that God's already in this mode. Who can feel like the Lord's light has been shining? In both places, in the church and in this nation. He's been shining and he's been exposing. God's been exposing a lot of things. He's been dealing with some things. And the thing is that if you get on the right side of God, and it's a simple thing, how do we get on the right side of him? Jesus is really easy considering how hard he could make it. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm coming back to him again. Coming back. And that's what he's asking his church to do, to come back to him again. And uh, we find here in Exodus, we come into, the, uh, into chapter 8, and last week we talked about how we came through the, the Pharaoh is starting to put the pressure on the people, and he's starting to, to uh, say, I'm never letting you go. That's what the devil says to you. God's going to do it, isn't he? God's going to do it. Devil says, I'm never letting you go. This world's never going to lose its grip on you, but the Lord starts working. And this is what he's doing. It says in Exodus chapter 8, verse 22, God started judging. God started doing a judging work. But then he said in verse 22, but this time I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord 
and that I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction. Come on, God's starting to make a clear distinction, isn't he? Aren't you seeing that as his church? Aren't you starting to see that? I'm not sitting in my room. I don't think either of you are either going, hmm, that person's a Christian. That pastor's not. He might be. We're not doing that. But we're just starting to see the Lord starting to separate. Who really wants Christ? Who wants to live for him? Who wants to represent him? And who just wants his stuff? Wow, that was harsh. Well, God's making a clear distinction between the people and your people. God's got a word for this world right now. And the devil has many, doesn't he? He's not going to win this war. God's going to win. God's going to win. Come on, everybody. God's going to win. We know that. And us, it's not us looking at them. Come on. That's why I started with Jesus, wasn't afraid to sit with them, and he loved them. And he didn't, this is, the, this is the weird thing. It's like, I know it's been said so many times that it becomes just a saying, but judge the sin, not the sinner. We cannot be afraid to judge the sin. We should never be. They're not going to react good. <laughs> we think if we just judge their sin and not the sinner, they're going to react better. They're not because it's a devil behind that. Come on. Who has had a devil behind your sin before that you had to kick out? So they're not going to react any different. So don't judge the outcome of, the, of, you, of how you're dealing with it. Don't say, well, it doesn't work to say anything because one way or the other, they're just going to hate me. That's okay. Jesus said if they hate me, they're going to hate you too. But we need to judge the sin and not the sinner. There's a, it is, can only, this is something that can only be done in the spirit. You can't do that in the natural. You're not going to just like say, I got a secret scenario to love this person, but secretly I'm going to deal with their sin. It's not going to happen. It's a spiritual thing. You're actually just loving them all the time. And if you speak the truth, that is love, period. I don't want to get enough another rabbit trail. God's making that distinction though. He's making the distinction between his people and the world. And that doesn't matter where it is, whether it's in the church or outside the church, because they're in the world here. But he says this miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. And he said in Exodus chapter 9, verse 4, but the Lord will again with another Again, we'll make a distinction between the livestock of the Israelites and that of the Egyptians. Not a single one of Israel's animals will die. The only place without hail was the region of Goshen where the people of Israel lived. This really what I've been, what I want to preach on is this, is our hearts. I'm not even really preaching on end times or revelation or any of those things. But with his word, there's just so many levels, isn't there? It's so relevant in so many ways. It's relevant in the world. It's relevant in the church, relevant in your own heart. So really, God's separating our hearts and separating us from the world. But if it goes to the actual, like I said, the actual judgments of the world, that may be. Get on God's side now. 
Because the Bible said that not a single one of Israel's animals will die. Listen, you want a 401k that's in heaven? <laughs> you want a real eternal security? But here on earth, it's not in the banking system. It's not in picking the right investments. Wow, is that a wake-up call? That's fine. Don't, I'm not telling you don't do those things. Let's not be foolish Christians. We still have savings. Maybe a little. I mean, <laughs> that's a young family. But we have some. We have backups. We have things in place if that's what it comes to. But that's, I'm not relying on those things because those things will fail. The dollar technically that you hold so precious is a piece of paper. Did you ever realize that? It's a piece of paper. And let's just be real childish. Who created the paper? God from the tree. Well, I mean, man decided to peel it off of a tree. But where'd it come from? It's all God's. And you're on God's side. See, the distinction is so important because it's one that is a heart thing for eternity, but also just in this life. You want to live in this life and try to have any ounce of security, it's only in God. We know that as his church, but I'm seeing, and I think we all are on the same page, that the times might push the church in, in actual physical terms to a place where his church is still somehow okay while the world is losing everything. And don't wish for those times. You don't want that time because this wasn't a fun time either. God was with them, but it's not a fun time, but God's with you. So if that time comes and God is with us, we don't wish that. And we're not looking at the world in that time saying, see, I told you. We don't, you wouldn't say that. That's not God. Wow, we're barely even going to touch this. That's, that's all right, because that's what I thought the Lord was going to do. I kept throwing more at the bottom here. And I feel like, you know, you don't need to do that. You're not going to get to that today. But the Lord says in Exodus 11:1, said to Moses, I will strike Pharaoh and the land of Egypt with one more blow. The Lord's going to judge us as individuals. He's going to judge the church. He's going to judge the world. And if you have lined yourself up with his love and his grace and his mercy, it's going on and on and on. And you're on the right side. But he said that after that, Pharaoh will let you leave this country. In fact, he will be so eager to get rid of you that he will force you all to leave. We just need to stay the church. We need to be his church now. It's time to be separated now. Uh, we are, I mean, I talked on it some months ago. I don't know. We may live in peace for a thousand more years. It might be an anomaly that the United States of America never goes to war ever again. We don't, so I'm, we don't know. But I do know one thing. In about 50 years, most of us are either on our way out or won't be here. That's just reality. That's not a hard thing. That's just how it is. That's what it is. We, Levi told me today that before he was born, he was dead. I'm like, no. You weren't dead before you were born. You just weren't born yet. 
But once you're born, you live and then you die. There is a time to live and there's a time to die. So that means that I don't want to get into the time is short sermon today, but time is short for all of us, all of us. And we got to get on the right side. Because it says in Exodus 12, we don't have time for it. So I'm just going to paraphrase. In Exodus 12, the Lord says, I'm separating my people. But then what happens in Exodus 12? The Lord says, I'm going to do one more thing. I got one more strike and this is it. You're going to be free, but you got to do something. Come on, church. Who knows that Jesus has done it all, but I want you to say this to me. You gotta, that's not a word. You gotta do something because he did it all. Jesus did his part on the cross and we have to respond to it. It's his part and our part. Well, in Exodus 12, the Lord says, I've got a strategy, one that's going to protect my people. Come on, who knows that God's got a strategy for his church? And he said, take a lamb and slaughter it. Who's the lamb? Jesus on the cross. And he said, I want you to slaughter and I want you to take his blood and I want you to put it on your doorpost. So that when I pass over with death, when I come to judge, I'm going to look past you. Come on, who knows the Lord is looking past you today? He's not here to judge you today. Why? Because you're a good person? No, nothing to do with that. Because you got the blood on your doorpost. What does that mean when you put the blood on your doorpost? means that first of all, you believed what God said for you to do something like that. The world calls us foolish. They probably looked really foolish to the Egyptians walking through the city and seeing blood everywhere. But they put the blood on their doorpost. They believed it and God looked through that blood and didn't judge your sin. We need to get inside the house of God and we need to get under the blood again. What does that mean? That means that you can't be out there with the world because if you are outside, what happens? Even if you were God's people, if you were still in the world, what would have happened? We got to stay inside the blood. It's a time to stay separated. We need to get separated into the blood. And then he said to them, you take the blood, but also... The unleavened bread. And then we have a few minutes with you, so I just want to be kind to you, but I want to say a couple of things. He told them, he said, of a huge chunk here, and I want to find it. He said in verse 11, verse 7, let's just read that. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. And then verse 11, these are your instructions for eating this meal. Look what it says. Be fully dressed. It says, wear your sandals and carry your walking stick in your hand. This is in their home. And eat the meal with, what's that word? Urgency. For this is the Lord's Passover. 
I feel an urgency for us as people. And again, I don't know because we only see in part. I don't know if that's because the world is about to see Christ come in the natural. I do know that my Bible tells us always to look for that. Come on, stop with the Christians saying, oh, we've heard that over and over again. Do you know that that's one of the lines that the Bible tells us? It's one of the signs of the times that they would say, where is his coming? So just when you start hearing that, you know that we're close. They've been saying that a long time. Well, then we're probably there. But if not, for our own sakes, there's an urgency to get out. You need to get out of the world while you still can. And he says, because on that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down. God's going to strike and I will execute judgment. He said, but this plague, verse 13, will not touch you. And it says in verse 34, Pharaoh's got no choice. See, the world, you let God be God. You get in his blood. You get in the blood of Christ. You think you're going to do it mind over matter? You're wrong. But you get under the blood of Christ. You follow what the Lord has instructed you to do. And Pharaoh's got no choice. The devil cannot touch you. He cannot hold you. The world only has power on you and over you if you give into it. Did you know that? Stop saying I can't help it because that's a lie. I'm not saying it's easy. Is it ever easy, Tony? No. no, it's never easy. But stop saying I can't help it because yes, you can. You just got to get in Christ. And if you're still struggling, then you just got to get a little bit deeper still. And he's okay with the struggle. He's not concerned with the struggle. He's concerned with you, which way you're walking. Are you walking towards him or away from him? You're walking towards him. He'll just keep taking that, isn't he? He's just going to keep taking it from you. He makes it easy, doesn't he? But he brings us to the point where the enemy Pharaoh says, get out. And it says in verse 34 that the Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. For bread, they baked flat cakes from the dough without yeast. They had bought, brought from Egypt and it was made without yeast. Look what it says. Because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time, come on everybody say no time, to prepare. If you think, let me get a few things in order first. And I'm talking to Christians still, I'm not just talking about the, this is a line we use for the world. Well, I got to do a few things first, then I'll come to Christ. We can do this as Christians too. God, I'm busy. We cry out to God and then he comes to answer us. Well, not right now, Lord, it's a little bit inconvenient because I got a few things I got to do this week. God's not convenient. Come on, everybody, all together. God is not convenient. He is for himself. 
He's convenient to himself. It's the perfect timing for him. It's probably not going to fit into your timeline. But he said they had no time to prepare. And in verse 42, on this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him, and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. You know, the Israelites did something funny right now, though. Check this out. God frees them, gives them instruction. They were ready like he asked them to be, just as Jesus tells us. Didn't Jesus tell us the same thing? Jesus said in Revelation 3, verse 2, Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Verse 3, go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you do not wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. But we're ready, aren't we? We've heard his word. That's why he preserved it for us. And we're standing there ready. Now, this is the crazy thing that the Israelites did. They actually walked out. Come on, they walked it out. <laughs> God, did you hear the scripture? It says that God freed them. God did what he said he would do. And they were ready for it. We need to be ready for it. If you think I'll get ready in the moment, you won't. Because Jesus said... In Luke 9, 59, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. In verse 61, another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. There's a quick, God's not hasty. He's got a timeline. It only seems hasty to, in your life because you should have been ready. When God seems like suddenly he's calling you, I was talking to Dawn about Lot and I was like, man, he must be saying it's not fair. God's got all this unlimited grace, but the angels came to him. It says they grabbed him and helped him. There was so little time. And we know his wife, right? She looks back. She still longed for the world and was left with it. You still long for the world when it's time to get out. You're going you're gonna to get the judgment of it. But she said something very powerful. She said, who knows how long God had been dealing with Lot to get out? And I said, that's absolutely true. That's right. Who knows how long? But God, thank you, God, for your grace. That even when we maybe we should have responded a long time ago, angels are coming and saying, get out now. And then you got to listen too. You got to listen. God's saying to us today, you got to get out of the world now because he sees our end. He sees your tomorrow. I mean, who knows? It's already so seductive. We've already got the world. We carry the world around with us at every... I should, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'll be a modern preacher. I'm going to be checking stuff on here because we're multitaskers. Why not? What, we, do this in the, we do this in our day, right? Uh-huh. 
uh-huh. Don and I both do it to each other and we both get furious. I do it less than her. <laughs> she does it to me a lot more often. But I'm like, you hear what I'm saying, but you're not listening to me. But Jesus said, come follow me. You got to follow me where I'm going. And it's a hurry. You know what the unleavened bread was? And this will be it. This will be my last point. Why couldn't be leavened? There's a lot of things that the leaven ends up meaning throughout the word. It means a, a couple of different things, actually. But in this scenario, we've got to bring it down to context. There's no time for it to work. Lord, my bread's not finished being made. It says that it was unleavened. Yes, it does mean sin. It does mean hypocrisy, right? We see Jesus refers to it. We see it in Corinthians. It's referred to, but in this application, it was a symbol of the work that God's doing, one without time. And they ate the bitter herbs and the yeast brought the flavor, brought the pleasure to the meal. God says there's no time for you to be wrapped up in the pleasures of your meal. But the sustenance, listen, without the yeast, it's no lack of sustenance still in that bread. It's not today's wheat. We don't need to get into that. Whatever their bread was, was sustenance to them without the flavor. And the herbs were sustenance. They were bitter herbs. But it would be what God said, you just need to focus on what is going to get you to the next stage of your walk. And we'll get into that next week where they're headed, right? They're about to head up, head to an impassable situation. The next part of their story, aren't they? You just need to get inside of you right now just what matters. You don't have time to be spending time here in this world. Now, does that mean on your daily, listen, I don't want to freak anybody out, have dinner with your family, take them out and do fun things, golf with your kids or whatever you do, fish with them and watch TV with them. And there's times that you can have those times, but it's the, it's the heart condition that's not into those things. It's a bare minimum. It's God, I need to be focused. I need to be serious. I'm dressed, I'm ready. My staff's in my hand. Now, here's the other thing. You put leaven in bread, and it's got a very short shelf life. You want the pleasures of this world. You want, you want to enjoy those things. Well, you have a limited time for those. You take the leaven out. That's the yeast, right? That spoils the lump. You take it out, and you can actually take that bread for a real long time. You take the unnecessary pleasures out of what you're mixing in with God's sustenance, because it was a mixed, but God's like, I don't, and Jesus represents that. Remember, we end up breaking that same bread to represent Christ, because he was the lamb, but he was also without spot. He was without wrinkle, right? He was pure in the lamb, but he was also without the yeast, without the world mixed in. He had no desires, no pleasures, no plans, no purpose in himself, except to do God's will. And that's the symbolism that it's in Christ that you just need to put 
the purity of Christ within you, and that the, if you waste it on the pleasures, you're not going to be able to be sustained. You're not going to be able to carry. You're not going to be able to get to where he's headed next. Because who knows <laughs> that after they come out of the world, we go into the wilderness, a place where we just got to trust God. Going to the place where you start trusting God like you never had before. Because Egypt, when he's bringing you out of the world, God's doing most of the work, isn't he? Don't you love that stage? Don't you love looking at somebody who's kind of like coming back or coming out, just coming out of the world again? It seems like God just, man, he's like, oh, you want some more? I haven't given you enough. Right? The new believer or the believer's coming back, man, it's like God just... He, start, he does a lot, a lot, a lot for you. Now, he doesn't do less for you later. You just don't see it as much because he wants you to learn to trust him, to mature you like a baby. My, my little uh, nephew, my sister Lisa, he eats every five minutes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then if you're done... She eats every maybe six hours. <laughs> What'd you eat today? Oh, I had a bar. <laughs> but that's in time, right? But that's what it is. As a baby, man, it's just like whatever you need. But then you need to get sustained in you now because God knows where he's taking you. And it's ultimately, where is he trying to get you to? Get you to the glory of God. He wants to get you to a place where you are walking with him and you enter the promise walking with God, led by God. That's what he wants for us. And that's twofold. That's eternal and this, that's on this earth. It looks a little bit different than probably you've been preached to in the last 20 years, but that's where he's taking us. Amen, let's stand. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. Seal this word into our hearts. Lord, you just take out flesh, take out what... We don't need to remember. And I pray that you seal into our hearts, Lord, your word today. Lord, speak to us right now, Lord, even as we leave this church today, as we go home, Lord, that this word becomes life for us. Today's sustenance, Lord, help us to see that you're God, that you're leading us, that you're in control, and to keep pushing aside the pleasures of this world, that they're not necessary. They could be in there, and in some applications, it doesn't matter. But for our lives as Christians, I thank you, Lord, spiritually, those things end up spoiling us. All that extra, all those pleasures, they end up spoiling us, and we just can't go the distance. We need to go to the distance, and I thank you, Lord, that you're going to take us out, but we're going to walk, and we need what you've given us to get there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.